cost you something? Ooh, are there mistakes in my life that have cost me something? I would say yes. There's been mistakes in my life that have cost me like my time, my effort, my overall health, and honestly, sometimes like my faith. Every mistake in my life has cost me something. Every mistake in my life has cost me something. As a leader of some very unique women, um, I try very hard to tell them that there are no mistakes, that our past has led us to our future. Um, this was the path we were to take. I think for anyone who's been honest with themselves can honestly say yes. I mean, we, in as humans, are imperfect by every measure whatsoever. So to think that there's someone out there besides Jesus who have not made a mistake, I mean, I think we're lying to ourselves, so yes. You know, you look back and you don't really see things the same that you did, and there was a lot of mistakes I made in my life, but I don't know if they've completely cost me anything harmful um, because I've always been able to improve or advance. I don't think that I've ever had anything that's been detrimental to me that, that made me think, oh my gosh, this is going to ruin my life or whatever. So I've, I guess, made them into positives and advanced with them as I've grown. Good morning, ACF. Can we just celebrate being together right now at church? We are so excited for you guys to be with us. If you guys are watching online, thank you for joining us. I'll give a special shout out to everyone watching in San Diego right now. I know there's a crew of you watching. We love you guys. Thank you for being here. Well, today we have a really special opportunity, a special treat. Uh, who went to the guys' retreat this weekend? Come on, let's hear it. Woo, that's it? Come on. Like, that was, that was embarrassing. Come on, who went to the guys' retreat this weekend? It was, it was amazing. And God moved, thank you for that one. God moved in powerful ways. And, uh, man, it, it was an incredible time. And so, guys, I just want to encourage you, don't stop the conversation. Like, that was the beginning, not the end. But today, I'm really excited to introduce a really good friend of mine. His name is Jeff Bramstead, and we've known each other for about 17 years and uh, he was our speaker this week up at Men's Tree. And Jeff, uh, he's done a lot in his life. He's an ex-Navy SEAL. He's an entrepreneur, uh, been in movies, like all sorts of stuff. But his heart is for Jesus. And I love when he talks to me. He's like, man, everything I do is just helps me propel forward to tell people about Jesus and help, help guys and help people come closer to God. So can we give just a huge welcome to my friend, Jeff Ramstead. Good morning, ACF. Morning. How you guys doing? Good. 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 Awesome. So, so um, before we before we get going, I, I just want to say that I've, I I I love this place. Every time I get to come into town, I come in here. Wait, did you ever walk into some place and you just you just sense the presence of God right away? It's it's here. It's here. I mean, it's it's. I don't know how you get through a week. I'm glad you guys have Wednesdays. I know what ACF stands for now. At church, finally. You know, that's, it's, it, even just this morning, walking in here, and there was hardly anybody in here except just the, the team and watching these guys and the way they, way they carefully prepare for you guys to come in here. It's, it's amazing. So here's what I want to encourage you to do before we get going. I want to introduce you to, uh, to my family who's watching right now. Adrian, get your feet off the coffee table. Sit up in the couch. 
I love you, buddy. So I want to encourage you that whatever it is that you come in here with this morning, you might have some stresses at work or maybe some stuff going on in your family or maybe you have some health stuff going on or maybe there's something happening financially. I want you to take those things, right? And I want you to package it up and I want you to set it on the ground and then I want you to step away from it and then I, I, I want you to, to focus on Jesus for a minute, right? And what he has maybe to say to you in this moment, today, this morning, take it through the rest of the week, be encouraged, right? That God is still on the throne in your situation, that it's not over, He's, he, he hasn't had the final say, he, he has final authority, right? So let's, 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 let's just do that together. Let's just take that stuff, set it in the ground, take a step back, let's have a seat, let's just, let's just, just focus on him for a moment in whatever it is that you're dealing with, all right? And, to, and let's see what happens. But anyway, I love you guys. Uh, we had a great time this weekend. I had so much fun. So I have a pretty, a pretty strenuous job, not physically. It's just a lot of brain power. Um, we, we own a, a, a skydiving place. We, we do a lot of government contracting. We, do, we, uh, we teach military free fall to uh, special operations forces guys. So Navy SEALs, a lot of Air Force, like the PJs, TACPs, and, and uh, uh, combat weather and things like that. I know this is a big Air Force area. Uh, I promise, I promise, if you men's conference guys know, there'll be no Air Force jokes. There will be no Air Force jokes. Amen. <laughs> this morning she's like, there are, just stick to the scripture. I'm like, hey, Air Force jokes are in the scripture. I'm just kidding. So we have so much fun. I mean, these guys are in there. They are getting amongst it in this meeting. I mean, hard conversations. And then they're stepping away and going and doing man, mountain man races and shooting guns and driving their, their, their snow machines. And it's, it was great. And then we had these conversations where I'm like, snow machines. I'm from Wisconsin. We call them snowmobiles. And then, oh, listen to you guys. Can you not be judgy for just a second? I'm finishing up. Why we call them snow? So snow machines in Wisconsin are things that make snow. And in Southern California, like, yeah, we don't have that here. Look around you. We don't make snow. So these are snow machines, you know. So I'm like, all right, got it. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. But um, I want to introduce my family. I brought some pictures so you guys can see. This is me and my lovely wife. This is, uh, this is uh, probably the smartest human being I've ever met. Um, she is... Uh, the love of my life. She is the center of everything that I do. I love her. That's my, that's my bride. She is so much fun to hang out with. She loves to laugh. She is the best audience in the world. She laughs at all my jokes, even though half of them aren't funny. She's, uh, she's amazing. Uh, my, my, uh, my babies are in here somewhere. These are my, my boys, the, old, the middle one. He's t- just turned 21. And uh, he's my cerebral one. He's the, the rule follower. He's the one that's a terrible liar. He's the, hey, Dad, let's, let, let's, let's, have a, let's, have a, let's have the tough talk kind of kid. Um, he, and then the next one next to him just turned 19 on his, on his right. His name is Samuel. And Samuel is my action sports guy. Well, actually, all three of them are. But that one is the free spirit. He's the one that I can't wait to go to his apartment and put my hand in a honey jar and go around and open every single doorknob and every every uh every cabinet door and sprinkle sugar on every single flat surface that's my sammy he's he's amazing and then we have our uh, our new guy and that's adrian that's what we call him because that's we're a military family so uh he is the new guy and uh he's been with us for about four years we have, we're, we're adopting him and he is an amazing guy 
Uh, we have so much fun. This is my action sports crew. These are my shooting partners. These are the guys we do life together. This, these are my best friends on the planet right here. Um, this is my crew. We skydive together. Uh, we, we go motocross together. We ski together. We shoot guns together. This is my, this is my crew. This is, these are my weapons right here. For you men, right, that we were this, this weekend, we were talking about, like, what's, what's your weapon? These are my weapons. This is, this, these are the ones I'm sharpening. Amen? And then there's uh, the next picture. This is my, my daughter. She's uh, 17, and uh, she's amazing. I think she has yet to sin, and, and uh, we have, we, she, just, she just likes to just look at me and smile. Hi, Annie. I know you're watching right now. I love you, baby. And uh, let's see, is that it? Is that it for pictures? We got any more? Oh yeah, these are my two my two oldest. This is them skydiving. They are they are. Uh, I don't think they're watching right now, so I can say this: they're better than me. I do not let them know that. And uh, the the one that's upside down right there, he flies in a wind tunnel. That's one of his jobs. And he is, hey dad, get in the wind tunnel with me. I'm like, gosh, look at that Starbucks is right over here. I'll be right back. I, and. <laughs> I don't, want to, I don't want to touch it, so, because he's way better than, both of them, way better than I am, so, anyway, that's my family, and uh, um, I just wanted to share that with you, just to let you know I'm a real human. I am from, originally from East St. Louis, we don't know what hospital I was born in, and then I was in the orphan system, and I was, I was uh, in, in uh, foster care, and then I got adopted by a young pastor and his wife, and I'm half black, half Italian. They are very German. And then we moved to Cuba, Missouri, where, you know, my, my little five-foot-four mom, who is so white she's translucent, is carrying around this little half-black baby. And people are like, what's the pastor's wife been doing? This is a, is this, no, not really, I didn't do that. Um, <laughs> and then we moved to central Wisconsin, so I'm the darkest thing for 200 miles in any direction. And my parents, I wanted to play football in high school, and they were saying, no, you can't play, you can't, no, no football for you, it's going to wreck your knees. And they, you, can, you can swim on the swim team. You can run track. You can be on the debate team. Debate, completely out, because that would entail public speaking. Not happening. <laughs> and then, uh, and then and, and so, I, you know, my parents, in, in essence, were setting me up for what was going to be my, my job as a young adult, which is be, to go through SEAL training and, get, and, and start doing that, that uh, the, the operator thing. If I had done what I wanted to do, I don't know if I would, one, have this platform. Two, I don't think that I would have been able to get through SEAL training because of the discipline that it took to do those two sports. My parents, I think, were acting on what God had instructed them to do as parents to set me up for what I was going to do. They were sharpening me. Now it's my job to sharpen my babies. Does that make sense? So sometimes I have to tell my kids stuff that they don't want to hear things that they may not want to do or things that they want to do that I'm going to keep them from doing. And when I am tuned into what God says about raising my kids, now it becomes real for them when they are stepping into what they're supposed to do. And they're like, oh, I got it. So my little brother joins the Navy first. He gets in and he gets through boot camp and he comes and sees me because at the time I'm coaching a high school swim team up in Upper Peninsula of Michigan somewhere, you know, up there, north there, way above where the Piakers are playing. And, and he came and he said, hey, there's this group of guys in the Navy, and they kind of do stuff that we did as kids, only it's legal. And it's, that's uh, so why I started going through the Rolodex. I'm like, burn things down, blow things up, drive fast, shoot things I'm supposed to shoot. Uh, sign me up. Where do I go? Go see, go see the recruiter. And two weeks later, I was in boot camp. Not really, it doesn't work like that anymore. Now it's like this big, long, delayed time that you have to go through before you can join the military. And when I got 
into the military, went through BUDS. I went into, I, uh, I got sent to the Army to go through their 18 Delta program, did that, and then got to the SEAL teams and had a, had a great time in the, in the teams for the most part, except for the part where I started doing life myself, my way, and it didn't work out so well. I kind of got my job descriptions mixed up a little bit. And we're going to talk about job descriptions here in a second because uh, King Saul got his job descriptions mixed up a little bit. And he ended up having to, he made a sacrifice, but then he didn't sacrifice the right thing. And, and, and we're going we're gonna to talk about that in a minute. But first, I wanted you to just know who I was and where I came from and all that kind of stuff. So we're not going to do page turn music, guys. I'm sorry. We were doing page turn music. So I would call out the scripture and then we'd play Metallica <laughs> as we were going to the scripture. Or Disturbed, or Joe Satriani, or something like that. So, we're not going to do that this morning because of uh, copyrights laws. <laughs> so lame. <laughs> All right. So, if you will, if you have your Bibles, if you got your Bibles, if you have paper ones, that's awesome. You guys are the real Christians. Um, if you have, uh, and you guys, you know what I'm doing. You know what I'm. You know what's coming. You know what's coming. If you have, uh, you know your. Your, uh, your, your phones and stuff like that. If you have your iPhones, if you're one of those guys that uses Android stuff, I'm sorry. Um, see, if, see, it might not have Bible scriptures on it. You know, I don't know if those are downloadable, if it's compatible. Um, these are jokes that we were busting out up at the men's conference, and then I went to grab my podium, and on it, it said, a piece of cardboard, it said, property of the U.S. Army, and then it said, something about iPhones not being so awesome. But anyway, I kept it. I took it home. I'm going to take it home with me. It's going in my office. It's still amazing. All right, so what we're going to do for our scriptures today, we're going to do 1 Samuel 13. We're going to do 5 to 14. So the first part, we're going to go 5 to, five to 8. Now, when I, do, when, I, when, I, when I read scriptures, I'm going to, you're going to hear the commentary that happens in my head while I read, right? So I'm not going to go all the way through all of that and then go back and try to hit points. I'm probably going to read a couple lines and then I'm probably going to have something to say. So I apologize in advance if, this seems, if it gets a little disjointed just in this, but it's going to make sense. All right? You guys with me? Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So let's start. So 1 Samuel 13, 5. Adrian, get your Bible. <laughs> Paul, listen up. Paul. Okay. Got it. Dave, you good? Okay. Here we go. 1 Samuel 13, 5. And the Philistines mustered to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and troops like sand on the seashore in multitude. They came up and encamped in Mishmash to the east of Beth-Avon. So, so anytime you see Beth something in the Bible, so Beth means house of, and then after that is going to be a, a, like a, a suffix. So remember Bethlehem? I remember that place, right? That's house of bread. Bethsaida, house of fish. We have uh, Bethel, Bethel, right? House of God. El is short for Elohim, so Bethel, right? You have uh, Bethaven is near Bethel, but it's house of wickedness. I mean, you know that usually right next to where something is good, right next to it is going to be a probably a counterfeit or something that is going to be the adverse reaction to good. You don't have to go far to find something that's bad. All you have to do is turn on the media, turn on TV, and for for you people who do the social media thing, social influencers, right? Some of those, not so great to watch. You have to pay attention to what comes in because that's going to influence 
the things that you're going to do. Right? So, so I'm, I'm not really, the influence thing, I, I'm a big word guy, so impact, influence, I think that they are interchangeable. People think they're interchangeable. They aren't. Impact happens at this range, from me to you. This is impact, right? Influence happens where you have somebody, somebody on the opposite side of this thing. I, I would rather be impacted than influenced. I have men in my life that are there to impact me. Because I want to avoid the evil place. I want to go to the God place. And so how am I going to do that? Somebody has to go ahead and steer me in that direction. I have five dads. And those five dads are always these guys who are going to say to me, Hey, hey, Bram, you're going the wrong direction. I know your flesh wants to go that way, but you need to go that way. Right? Pastor Greg, the, the, the man that led me to the Lord, my best friend to this day, he is the first guy that I call every single time I have an issue. It's called a spiritual authority. Have one of those in your life. And then I'll say, hey, I want to, uh, this is what I'm thinking, or this is what I'm dealing with. And he says, okay, this is the cardinal direction. Now, in my heart, I knew that. I probably just needed to hear it because I want to stay away from the evil place. I want to stay away from the Beth Haven. I want to go to the Bethel. And so he says, this is your cardinal direction. Now it's up to me to know the scripture. When the scripture says that the footsteps of the righteous are ordered to the Lord, that means that sometimes I'm going to step where God says step. Step here. Now step here. Now wait. Now step here. Now you're going to be here for a while. You're going to be here in the bad report from the doctor for a while, for a minute. But I'm not done. You're going to be here in this financial hardship for a while because I need to teach you something through your hardship that's going to be more beneficial for you as you move through and to where I have you going. Okay? Does that make sense? All right. So I made it, what, through a verse? <laughs> when the men of Israel saw that they were in trouble for the people were hard-pressed. Ooh, we're in a tight spot. We're in a tight spot. That's my old brother where thou reference. The people hid themselves in caves and holes and in rocks and in tombs and in cisterns. And some of the Hebrews crossed the fords of the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul was still in Gilgal, and the people followed him trembling. So here we get to the good stuff. Saul, so now Saul is, he's, he's hiding right now. He's kind of in, he's, he's, he's under a pomegranate tree when he should be probably trying getting his, his military guys together to formulate, get, try to get their full mission profile together so that they can, they can figure out what they're going to do about this, this enemy that's over there, 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and then they have army, kind of like a, what I would picture, like in Lord of the Rings, the, the, the orgs, remember those guys, right? That as far as you can see as an army, that's what they're looking at. But instead, he's over there doing what a poor leader would do, and he's in hiding, his men see him hiding, and so the men who have no faith in his leadership, and he's even doing bad stuff as a leader, they hide. So while this is happening, Saul is thinking, okay, so what I need to do is I need to get uh, God on my side because I'm not quite sure if he's on my side because I haven't done really the, the, the memory game where I stand where I'm at looking forward at the mess that's in front of me but then taking a minute and disconnecting and then looking behind me at the promises God made to Israel every single time they were in a hard spot when they were, when they were trying to get out of Egypt. When, they were, when, they, when he promised them the promised land and they entered into that, all of the things that happened prior he had forgotten. 
And so now he's, he's saying, I need to get God on my side. How do I do that? So I need Samuel to be here. Samuel, who had told him he was going to be there at a certain time, didn't show up yet. And this is what it looks like. He waited seven days, the time appointed by Saul. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So Saul, so Saul said, bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offerings. And he burnt the offerings. As soon as he had finished offering the burnt offerings, behold, Samuel finally showed up, and Saul went out to meet and greet him. This is where Saul missed his job description. In those days, the authority, the, the authority people and figures in society were with one of three groups. It was either kings, prophets, and priests. Now, a king couldn't be, uh, he could, he, the king was a king. He was doing king stuff. Priests, their job was to atone for the sins of the people and go into the Holy of Holies in the temple and do the offerings. And then you had prophets, and there's, they're the, the red phone to God, right? If you're like doing embassy stuff, you got your phone, you pick it up, State Department's on the other side. That's prophets. Samuel shows up, and Saul had just done Samuel's job. And Samuel's, Samuel, Samuel, as he walks up, he, he says, he says in, the next, in the next part of the scripture, he says, what have you done? And then that's when the excuses start. When you miss your job description, when you start to step outside of what God has intended for you to do, when you start running someone else's race, the finish line gets awful lonely. You have to do the job that God has placed in front of you. Saul made a sacrifice when he should have waited. And how many of you, how many of you know that when sometimes you get a timeline, right? You get a timeline, you have a, a, a construct of time that you are relying on. Your expectations are managed according to the time. And then when things don't happen in the construct of that timeline, now you feel like, well, maybe God needs a hand. Maybe I should just help out God. Maybe I should just maybe step in there and go full Abraham when God gave him a promise. And then all of a sudden, Abraham says, well, you know what? I think God needs a hand. I know he promised me that he was going to raise up a nation out of my lineage. But I know God's really good because I know he can do really great stuff. But I think what I need to do is go and, and, and help him out. So uh, where's my hand serving? She needs to come on over here. And I'm going to go ahead and, 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 and she's going to help me because my wife can't have kids. I don't know how God's going to work this out because I don't know if... God has real authority over a uterus. So I'm going to go ahead and use this one over here because this one here can give me offspring. (laughs) Trying to help God. Sometimes God says, listen, I want to go ahead and test your faithfulness to me. Just like that last song. Great is my faithfulness. This is what God says. My faithfulness to you far and exceeds your faithfulness to me. So when you have a moment like that, it's really important that you put on the altar your arrogance, your pride, your impatience. When you put these things on the altar, now all of a sudden God says, wow, so you waited even though it didn't fall in the construct of your timeline. So when Samuel walked up, when Samuel came and greeted Saul, Saul came out to greet him, and the first thing Samuel says is, what have you done? And Saul says, well, 
when I saw that the people were scattering from me because and I don't know why, but I felt like I needed to make them happy and, and, and God wasn't really, God wasn't responding. So, so, and, and, and you were late. So I, I didn't know what to do. So, uh, um, and, and, and the Philistines are over there and, and, and they're mounting an attack against me. And, and I, I only have a couple guys around me and, and we don't have any weapons because none of our weapons are, are ready because we, we can't even make them. We don't have any blacksmiths in our land because they've all been killed. And we have to go to the Philistines even to get our, our plowshares and our, our axes so we can, we can harvest crops. And, 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 I, and, and it just made sense. It just made sense. I had, to, I had to take action. I didn't want to do it. In fact, it even says, he says, so I forced myself to offer the burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. But, however, the Lord has uh, gone ahead and anticipated this, uh, this, this, this weirdness that you are doing. And he has, has uh, appointed somebody who is going to be, has, has a heart after God. When Samuel thought he was sacrificing, doing a sacrifice to gain the favor of God, instead of putting on the sacrificed the sin God said I am removing from you your eligibility to lead these people it becomes really really sticky sometimes in life and sometimes you want to just, you want to spend all your time and, and you, you want to press into God and you want to believe God for something and, and, and you just don't think God hears you and you don't think that he's, that, he's, that he's there for you. And you think that sometimes that if, maybe if I just do this or maybe if I act a certain way or maybe if I start becoming more spiritual on the inside or maybe I should, maybe I should just uh, uh, say these things or maybe I should maybe just go be nice to these people that I'm normally not nice to. And you start acting like you don't normally act. And God says, you know, it's, it's not about that. See, I want to I test your heart. It's not about are you performance-based or not, and are you doing things because, because uh, you are trying to earn God's favor. You can't earn God's favor. God's favor is there because you are his child. And, when, he, and when, you, when you press into God, when you cry out to God for whatever it is that's going on, you know those things that we were talking about earlier, things that we wanted to put on the, on the, on the ground and then step away from when we walked in here? When you start to take those things and you, and you go to God and you say, this is really bothering me. This, is, this hurts so bad, what this person said to me. And it's, it, it's, 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 it's this financial hardship. I don't know how I'm going to get through it. Understand this one truth. That God is not going to bring you to something that he's not going to bring you through. He's not going to give you something that you can't handle. And when it seems like it is the most insurmountable thing in the world, when you take that and you put it on the altar and say, God, I want, I want you to deal with this because I'm going to concern myself with the things of you, God says, I will deal with this over here. And so sometimes you need to do a paradigm shift and you need to sometimes shift. I'm not saying just, you know, throw your hands up and just, you know, walk away from your bills. 
probably a bad idea. <laughs> and trust me, there's, there are things in the Bible that are, that are God's bad ideas. Let me qualify that. Probably a bad idea, seemingly through my eyes, when you're leaving Egypt to follow a 9,000-year-old dude with a stick who's walking along, and then you get to the front. I'd love to be in the front row of that one, right, where you get to the, the, the edge of the water, and you're standing there, and then, and then uh, we're looking at this old dude. He's got a stick, and then I look way back there. There's a couple million people that we just walked out of Egypt, or we're trying to get out of Egypt, and you look way back there. There's a bunch of chariots chasing us down. I'm like, now what? What are you going to do now? And then uh, the 9,000-year-old dude just kind of looks at you, takes a stick, and hits the water. Whack! And the water parts, like, whoa, you can't make that up. Let's go. And then you go go across the water, and then you get to the other side, and then you stop and step aside because I want to see more. I want to see more because this is how God works. He loves to show off. And when you get to the other side, stop, and then everybody kind of going by. And I put myself in that place. That's why I say I because this is how I read the Bible. And I, I stand there, and I watch, and I say, okay, now what you going to do? Now what happens? And then the last person Gets, out, gets on the shore, and then the waves close back up again. God's bad idea looks pretty cool. <laughs> Probably a bad idea to tell a dude in the middle of a desert to build a boat. Hey, build a boat. All right. He starts building a boat. His friends come over to him. Hey, um, what you doing? I'm building a boat. <laughs> they say, well, what's a boat? It's a boat. It's a big thing. Floats in water. What's water? Yeah, thing you drink. Well, you need a boat. It goes in a cup. I mean, what do you, what do you put? What do you, what do you, you'll see. <laughs> Don't really. You'll see. Seems like a bad idea. It's a God bad idea, though. The kind that he's going to, it, it's, it's way beyond our understanding. We can't even fathom what he's getting at when he's doing something. And that's probably something that you're going through right now. You're probably dealing with something that it just seems like it's a, is this a, is this a God bad idea where it's going to turn out awesome? Or do I have to feel like I have to insert myself because if I insert myself now, maybe I'll be able to help out God. Probably a bad idea. Go ahead and pour a bunch of water on an altar that's a bunch of rocks and, and, and wood. And you're taking out a bunch of prophets of Baal. And then you say, and they, they, they can't get their God to work. Well, I'll see if mine can work. God, you're up. I'll go sit over here in the cheap seats. And fire comes down and destroys the altars. When God shows up, it's evidential. It's providential. So I want you to stand on the fact that God is in it with you. That he has not abandoned you. And he is there and he is looking right at you and saying, I am in this and I am concerned with whatever you're going through. I know it's probably people watching online, and you're going through some stuff right now. Maybe there's some things that are in your life that you have never, ever even focused or seen before. And now they're becoming these big, huge, massive mountains, and it came out of nowhere. Right in the middle while you're dealing with something else. That is an issue that is so, God looks at that and goes, that's not a problem. Are you looking at the problem, or are you looking at me? And are, what are you putting on the altar? Are you putting your pride, your arrogance? Are you putting your self-reliance on there because you're a high-functioning guy? Maybe you're a high-functioning guy in, a, in, your, in your company and you have this big, huge brain and you're able to solve all these problems and then all of a sudden God says, hey, let me go ahead and put you on a, 
on, on, a, on, the, on, the, on your seat for a second. Because I want you to, I want you to see how, how, how small you actually are for a moment. And then I want you to see how big I am because I want to get between you and your problems where now when, as soon as God deals with your problem, you know that well, you could fall in behind God. It's kind of like drafting through a big thick wind. I remember the time I felt the smallest as I was uh, treading water in the middle of the ocean <laughs> and you couldn't see land anywhere and there's nobody around. It's kind of a hard thing to fathom. You know, people probably never, I've, I've never even imagined how that would be a, 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 an issue. I can tread water, I can swim well. Right up until you get out in the middle of the ocean and you can't see anything and you're in the water. And I'm sitting out there waiting for a submarine to show up. It was terrifying. And I remember sitting in that moment, and I remember saying, um, uh, God, I feel awful small right now. And when you are in those moments where you feel small, then that's when you just have to take a sidestep right on over and walk close to God. Did you ever walk close to somebody? Really close to somebody, right? You're not touching, but you're just walking close. Your, your gates are different, and you take steps, you know. Maybe my little guy is going to run over here, he's going to play with a bug, and he's going to run over there. But then if you hold his hand, now you're kind of close to each other. But then what if you put your arms around each other and you pull in tight? Now not only are you going to be going the same pace, but your, your, your steps are going to match. Because otherwise you're kind of like... <laughs> but if your steps match... Every step you take is going to be together. That's how God wants to do life with you. He wants to walk with you that tight. So here's a question I want to ask. I never want to get off of, a, off of a stage without offering you, the people who are here, who may not know Jesus, at least to make, just to make the introduction. See, there is, a, there is a God who sent his son. In other words, he gave something up. He gave the ultimate sacrifice. God knows what it's like to lose somebody. And then Jesus, who came to earth, also knows what it's like to live a life similar to what you have, except for he was perfect. Thus, the perfect sacrifice. He walked in your issues. He was rejected. He felt pain. He was hungry. He had people not like him. He had people yell at him. And then he took all of our sin and he intentionally and on purpose walked with his cross to the hill where they put the cross in the air with him on it where he suffered and died for your sin so that we could have everlasting life. And if you have never experienced that, that kind of love, I want to pray a prayer with you and I want you to be able to just in, in and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a prayer. And what I want you to do is just, just repeat after me. You can do it out loud if you want, or you can just do it in your heart. 
Are you ready? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I repent of all my sins. I want to live a new life. I want to lead a life intentionally with you. Take my sin and I accept salvation. I turn from the way I did life and I'm going to turn to the way I'm going to do life with you. A life full of your purpose for me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that for the first time, I want you to stick around. I'll pray with you. We have some leaders here that will pray with you. I just want to say it's, it's, it's great. Can I pray for everybody here real quick before we go? Father God, I thank you for these people. I pray for them individually. I pray for them as a family, and I pray for this church as a whole. And Lord, I pray that you will do something amazing inside the lives of every single person here. I pray for those who come in here with physical ailments. Jesus, you are still on the throne. And Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that you will begin to heal each person in here. The, the, the stuff that's inside of us that we can't see or the things that are in our minds that we, can't, that we can't see or touch, Lord. I pray that you begin a new work in these situations. Lord, I pray over the finances of families and I pray over, over marriages and I pray over decisions that we have to make that are tough this week. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that you will come into each and every every situation. Lord, that you'll grab us by the ears, you'll look us in the eyes, Lord, and you will, you will identify the things in us that need to be adjusted and put people in our lives that are going to be able to get us through it. Lord, we put on the altar our pride and our anger, our unforgiveness. We put these things on the altar, Lord, and we give them to you. We give you our sin sacrifice. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen.